Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. I'm like the mule at the Kentucky Derby, okay? Bishop Beecham speaking last week. Bob Ely's going to speak. Mick Snyder. Come on. I'm the mule at the Kentucky Derby. I'm not going to win. I'm just proud to be here. Amen? Uh, But I'm excited to be here, excited to have my family with us. For five years, they have not been traveling with me. This is the second week they're back with me. Somebody say hallelujah for that. It's exciting. Um, I'm a big Steve and Julie Ely fan. Love them. You got the greatest pastors. Amen. And this church is going to go beyond where you are at now. You got great youth pastors. There are conference youth pastors, Woody and Jesse Burpo. Love them to death. Uh, Danny and Esther, thank y'all. I love you. There's so many friends in this church. And especially in the first service, I was so excited to see the people that were here in the congregation that was before that that stayed and made this transition. Just all my friends in this church, I love you and I'm glad to be here. I'm going to talk this morning about a huge problem that we've got in the church. I'm going to talk about what we got to do to solve this problem. I'm mobilized. I'm ready to go. I want to get you mobilized if you're not. If you're not aware of what's going on, if you've not stepped up to the plate and said, I'm going to be part of the solution, then my job is to get you saying, amen, I'm going to do it today. You're going to give me a little bit more love than the first service did. Amen. Somebody's going to answer the altar call and they're going to say, use me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be part of the solution. But if you remember the Old Testament, David, before he was ever king, he went to the battlefield. He's just bringing food to his brothers. But he sees a giant that nobody will do anything about. And he said, bless God, if it's got to be, it's up to me. Is there anybody like that in this house that you say, if it's going to be, it's up to me, and you're the kind of person that gets the job done? Amen. Somebody's got to step up and say, I'm going to get this job done. So I want you all to read with me. The reason I know you all are going to be a little bit better, the first church, the, the first service would not help me read the text. And that's all I want is a little help reading the text, okay? So help me. We're going to read from Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 4. Amen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the... Thank you. We got one helping. Where are the rest of you? With all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise up you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates thank you i saw abby 
finding a few of the words. Father, we love you so much. We just dedicate this time to you. Lord, there is a problem going on in your house, and we're the people that are going to solve it. We're going to change it. I thank you, Lord, for calling and enlisting everyone in this house today. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. The problem that I want to talk about, George Kinnaman wrote it in a book two years ago. He said 59% of regularly attending young people in our churches drop out after high school. He said the dropout problem at its core is a faith development problem. To use religious language, it's a disciple-making problem. The church is not adequately preparing the next generation to follow Christ faithfully in a rapidly changing culture. Now, there's other sources beside Kinnaman that say it's as high as 7 out of 10 kids leaving the church. But 59% to 70%, I'm going to do easy math today. Somebody say thank you. Easy math. For every 10 young people that we have, not just at Passion Church, but all of our churches all across America, they grew up in our nursery, they went to our children's church, they attended our Sunday schools, they loved God in our youth group, but when they get between the ages of 18 and 26, out of every 10 are gone. They're missing in action, and we're left with four. That's the, probably the four best that there were. Oh, big deal. We just lost six of them. They were troublemakers anyway. That's not the truth, is it? We lost six out of 10 of our kids that grew up in our church. And they're going to be gone for at least 10 years. Some people say half of them will come back by the age of 30. But that means we've still lost three out of every 10. And if we lose them to the church, I don't know about your theology, but we might lose them to the kingdom. We might lose them from heaven to hell. It's terrible. It's serious. So I'm not playing games this morning. I want you awake to this fact. And I want you saying, I want a solution and I want to change this. What if we could get Woody's youth group up here right now, and for every 10 of them, we just look and say, okay, four of you, you're the best. You listened to every sermon. You didn't miss the, ser the services. You even stayed awake in big church. We want you to stay. But you six, y'all were troublemakers. You, him and her, y'all were out there kissing. Come on, you were doing what we told you not to do in church. And, and you made bad grades in school. And come on, you didn't play any sports. You're not worth anything. You six get out of here. And then we rethink it. Well, three of them weren't so bad. I tell you what, we're just putting you on timeout. You come back, you three, when you're 30 years old. Wow, we wouldn't do that, would we? And yet we're losing them 30% forever. That's about one out of four. I'm just doing easy math, right? The problem is I have four kids. It's too personal. I can't lose one of my kids. Can you lose one of your kids? Now, i got to beg you all right now, Abigail, stay with me. See, I don't have any kids yet. Stay with me till point three, Okay. I'm going to enlist everybody. Some of you are going to have kids later on. Some of you might never, but you're still 
going to help us with the solution. Amen? We're losing one out of four, and I can't lose one out of my four. I could not pick between them, not even, uh, not even when they're teenagers and maybe giving me a little bit of trouble. I can't say, well, fine, we'll just go ahead and pick you. If we're going to lose one out of four, it's you because you're giving me trouble. I can't do it, and you can't do it. We've got to hang on to our kids. So the solution, how many of you want a solution to this problem? I'm going to give you one more chance to read this with me, okay? Please do a better job. Hear, O Israel. Come on, read with me. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I probably insulted you. I made it too easy to figure out the solution. But did you hear the solution in there? What is the solution? Who is the solution? Look in the mirror. You are. And I thank you. Somebody said, we are. He said, you've got to do these things. I am the solution. You are the solution. You have an awesome nursery. I am so excited. You just got a great children's pastor, Andrew Ham. My youngest six-year-old, he picked Andrew Ham twice over coming to big church one time. Come on. I thought if there's two services, he could go hear Ham once and hear me once. He said, I'd rather go to children's church. Come on, you've got an awesome children's pastor. You know I love your youth pastors. They're shepherding our conference youth. But you cannot rely on them. Too many people in the pews are relying on the professionals at the church. We're not getting the job done, and we're losing our kids. So you've got to step up to the plate and say, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I'm the solution. I am responsible for my children. Hang with me, folks, without any children. Amen? Don't check out. You're not exempt yet. He says, you shall teach these commandments diligently to your children. Then he goes on and gives us some prerequisites, I believe. In verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. How many of you love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength? 10, 12, 14. Amen. Nobody enough to raise their hand or... No, come on. How many of you say, I love God with everything in me? And I'm just, I'm trying not to be, but I am a little bit. I'm a little cynical. And I just want to say, really? Let's look at your bank account. How much do you write to God? How many dollars do you write to God? How much time do you spend with God? How often do you take a picture of God and put him on Pinterest or Instagram or, or whatever where I see it on my Facebook feed? Amen? Come on. I want to. I know we got time to golf. we got time to hunt or fish. we got time to go uh, shopping. Hallelujah. All these things. 
I know we love a lot of things, but do we love God? And I just want to ask the wives, or I want to ask the husbands or the kids, hey, what really makes his or her bacon sizzle? Come on, they're saying they love God, but could I check with the family and the family say, oh yeah, it's genuine. It's 100%. What you see in church is what you get during the week. This man or this woman loves God with all their heart. That's a prerequisite. We're not going to make disciples. We're not going to turn our kids into individuals who love God with all their heart when we don't. It starts with us. Love God with all your heart. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. We've got a problem in America today. We are more biblically illiterate than we've ever been. We don't even know what's really in the covers of the pages. When I was pastoring, it used to scare me. The people that would come and say, Brother Stewart, doesn't the Word of God say such and such? And I would say, well, I've read it and read it in the King James and the New King James and the New International that came out in 1984 and the New International that came out in 2011. I've read the Holman Standard. Well, I only made it two-thirds of the way through. Don't tell the Baptists. But I gave up on their Bible. Come on. I've read it in a lot of translations, and to be honest, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Could you find it and show me? People sometimes thinking things are in the Word of God that aren't or not knowing important stuff is there that they need to know. Some of the precepts that they should be living by. Uh, Vadi Balkum Jr. wrote a book called Family Driven Faith. And he said that only one out of ten people have a biblical worldview. Not just people. This is people in our churches. This is people who check off the box, born again. I'm a born again Christian, but really only one out of ten of those look at the world the way God looks at the world. They don't believe what God says about themselves. They believe that, well, Christianity is good, but Buddhism will get me to heaven, and uh, Muslim, Islam will get me to heaven. No, God said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Come on, so God said something about himself. And then he said something about man. He said, man's a sinner. He's deceitfully wicked. He needs a Savior. And yet people claim to be born again, and they say, oh, no, man is a good person. There's good in everyone. We are good. That's not what God said. He said we need a Savior. And he said there's ultimate truth. There's absolute rights or wrongs. And yet we make things right or wrong depending on the given situation that we're in and the hot water we need to get out of. So if these words are going to be in our hearts, we've got a problem. We're not a people enough of the Bible ourselves to help our kids. Come on, we've got to help ourselves and then help our kids. We've got to love the Bible. I watched my dad and my mom when we were young people, they read the Bible to us when we were kids. I think we intimidated them when we got to be teenagers and somewhere along the line we stopped having uh, family Bible time together. But when I was a kid, we had family Bible time. Dad would lead that. Sherry watched her parents pray together and get eight kids around the bed. Come on. Ten people kneeling around mom and dad's bed praying together. They were Catholic. Come on, some, some good Pentecostal charismatics ought to be able to do that. Amen? We watched it. I believe my love for the Word of God is coming through to my children. And I have stepped up to the plate. Somebody say, I'm stepping up to the plate. 
thank you, you seven. I'm going to do it for my children. Hallelujah. I want to give you some role models from the Word of God. When I started um, waking up to this last November, and this is not to be political, I promise, uh, but we re-elected a president who's declared that America is not a Christian nation. And the majority of Americans said, amen, we want you back in. And, and so we agree that America is not a Christian nation, the majority. And you say, that sounds pretty political. No, it doesn't, because the other party put a Mormon on the ticket, not a Christian. I'm not talking about either party. I'm talking about America is not walking towards God. We're walking away from God. And God put a scripture in Ezekiel 14 on my heart that scared me. He said, if a nation keeps on sinning, I'm going to send judgment to that nation. And he calls out three people. He said, if these three righteous men were in it, Noah, Daniel, and Job, their righteousness could only save themselves. They could not save sons and daughters. It woke me up and scared me. Number one, I'm not as righteous as Noah, Daniel, or Job. I said, God, I need to be more righteous. I need to do a better job. And then even if they were here, even if they're the leaders that the Old Testament righteousness could produce, the finest examples that God has, they're not righteous enough to save their own kids if we're living in a wicked time. And I believe we are. And so I got on my knees. I said, God, help us. I don't want to lose one of my children. I started praying. But this scripture that is judgment is problem. The scripture that scared me became the same scripture that encouraged me. Because I got to thinking, I said, but wait a minute, God. Noah saved his wife, his three sons, and his three daughter-in-laws. I said, God, the first one you put on the list saved his family. God, I want to be like Noah, and I want to save my family. If you have children at home, Noah is your role model. Say it with me. Say, I'm going to save my children. Hallelujah. The next one that he gave, Daniel was taken captive in a foreign land. He was made a eunuch. He could not have children. This is why I asked some of the folks without children to stay with me. Daniel didn't have any kids to save, and yet he stepped up and adopted a generation. And I believe he was the leader. He was the influence that helped the three Hebrew children make the stand of God that they made to go into a fiery furnace. And so even if you don't have kids, you should adopt your fellow teens or 20-somethings other students. You should adopt other people in prayer like Daniel did. The next one he gives us is Job. Job is this man that is praying for children. It sounds to me like they're grown because they have their own houses and they're having these parties that he's worried about what are they doing. He's afraid they're sinning and so every day he's saying, God, forgive them if they've sinned and I don't know about it. How many of you ever been worried about what your kids were doing when you weren't with them? Amen. Job was in that boat. I think he had grown children that weren't serving the Lord, maybe like they should have. And so he was interceding and calling them back. If you have children that have walked away from the God, from God, you've got a role model 
in the Word of God. Amen. Job is your role model. Then in uh, 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to his protege. He's telling him how to be a better pastor. And he says, Timothy, he said, there's an awesome faith that is inside of you. And it first appeared in your grandmother. There are grandparents that have been called to step up to the plate because mom and dad are not doing the job in parenting that they need to do. They've either maybe passed away or maybe they're bound with some kind of addictions that will not allow them to be proper parents. They're not bringing the kids to church. They're not praying for their own kids. And yet grandma and grandpa have stepped up to the plate and said, if it's got to be, it's up to me. Grandparents, there's your role model. Lois made a difference in her grandson's life. Then he said that faith, Timothy, was also in your mom, Eunice. And I would love, but the word of God is silent, I would love to know, where was dad? Why didn't dad make a difference in Timothy's life? Did dad die? That's hard to be a single mom, the spouse is deceased. Or did he just walk out of the marriage and he's no longer there? Or were they still married and he's still uh, teaching Timothy to play baseball, but not leading him in the things of God? I don't know, but dad was not involved in the process, but mom was enough to get the faith in his life. If you are a single parent, or a spiritually single parent. You've got a role model in the Word of God. And I hope what I just did was involve everybody in the house. If your kids are at home, like Noah, I'm going to save them. So I don't have kids. Like Daniel, I'm going to adopt my generation, or I'm going to adopt somebody else's kids in prayer. Job, my kids are walking away from God. They're already grown. They're doing their own thing. I'm going to keep praying until they come back. Lois, I'm getting my grandkids because my kids don't know how to do it yet. And spiritually single parents. Come on. Did I leave anybody out? Hope not. I hope I got everybody in the house on the job. I want to give you some practical ideas to try some things that I believe you can do and should be doing in your home to pass on your faith to the next generation. He said, you shall talk of them, the commandments of God, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. This is everyday life. This is not Sunday life. This is not bringing them to church. He said, you pass these things on while you're doing your everyday life. I believe one of the things that you need to aim for, I'm going to be honest, I can't do it every day. I'm aiming for three to four times a week, but it's a family altar. We've always prayed with our kids before we put them to bed. We've read them the little devotionals. Uh, we've always prayed before we dropped them to school, but we haven't always sat down as the whole family together in the living room around the Word of God. We're trying to do that three to four times a week. I'm not saying we're anything. There, there are folks that have done this for so long, and they're so far beyond us. But I know there's other folk like me that are not doing this right now. And I just want to exhort you, you need to. And it's easier than you think, and God can do awesome things around this time. And 
How many of you like to get a value when you come to church? Let me tell you how to get a free family Bible. I went to Mardale and found a $70 nice, thick, plush Bible pictures in the middle, family genealogy tree in the front, kind of thing that you're that's supposed to be an heirloom that will survive what you do in devotions, and someday your kids will fight over it. Like my sister and I fought over my parents' Bible, that we want that. $70 at Mardale, and, and I love Mardale, but I, said, I didn't have the $70. I said, I'm just going to check Amazon. And I looked online and it said $50. I said, wait a minute. I order a lot from Amazon. And every time I go to checkout, they say, if you'll take out an Amazon credit card, we'll give you a $50 credit. I never do that because we got out of credit card debt. The Lord delivered us. I don't want to go back. Amen. But something went off in my mind. I said, wait a minute. Amazon wants to give me a free family Bible. And I clicked on it and I did it. And I don't use that credit card. And uh, took it off the list of ones to pay on Amazon. But I got a free Bible and two cents left over because it was $49.98. I mean, that may be the best part of the sermon. Somebody said, that's awesome. I'm going to go home and get one. And it's going to become the focal point of our home that we get together in the living room. And not just read cutesy Bible stories. Let me tell you about Noah and the ark and the rainbow and how cute that was. And God saved all the animals. No, God judged the world and they all perished except that he had a way to save family don't tell them cutesy bible stories teach them the word of god and pray together and and i'm saying let them all pray sherry got rebuked the other night in family altar because mark was sitting beside me and she was over there and i prayed and sherry started praying and mark said what about me you left me out it was my turn before your turn come on the kids wanting to pray Let's just be honest and say that's a little bit harder when they're teenagers, but not impossible. Amen? So family altar. And then catechism. And somebody says, uh-uh, that's a Catholic word. We don't do that. And I said, we should do it. Catechism just means learning by question and answer. And so I found one that our family is using. I bring my iPad, which we're not supposed to have electronic devices, but this is the one exception. I bring my iPad to the dinner table. And use newcitycatechism.org, New City, this app. One question a week, 52 questions total. In a year, you will know more about God and about the Bible than you did, and definitely your kids will. You learn it at the same time. You ask the question, you learn the answer, you get that one down, you move on to the next one and keep reviewing. Catechism, you ought to try it. All right, the next... The next one is scripture memory. He said you talk about the words when you're walking by the way. We don't do a whole lot of walking in our family. We do about 45,000 miles a year of driving. Okay, we do a lot of driving. And I adopted that time for scripture memory. And I try to teach my children the Word of God as we go along. Some of you say, I can't do that. I don't know any verses. Man, just all you got to do is pick one. You memorize it. You teach it to them. It's not hard. And I would love, except that he decided to be an Andrew Hams, I would love to have my six-year-old up here take you down the Romans road and tell you how to be saved. Because he can quote Romans 3.23 to you and say, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He can tell you Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
through Christ Jesus our Lord. He can go ahead and tell you once you know you're a sinner what the penalty is and that there's a free gift. He can tell you how to claim that free gift in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, that's a hard verse to memorize at six years old and yet he can do it. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Scripture memory. Then God sightings. That's a little technique I learned in a book called Shift by Brian Haynes. Just learning to see the hand of God in everyday life and talk about it. Did y'all notice what happened there? What do you think about it? When your kids see somebody asking for money at an intercession, intersection and they get involved, what can we do to meet this need? Come on, that's a God sighting. That's a God sighting. Amen. And then giving. We let our kids know that we give to the Lord. We teach them to tithe. But we support some missionaries. And we have the family praying together. We adopted a little girl. Not adopted, but whatever you call it, and people to people. We send $25 a month to help a little girl and her family named Desiree in Ivory Coast. And so now we pray for Desiree. Let your giving habits get passed on to your kids. And then your worship. You say, well, we worship on Sundays. It's not enough. It's not enough. They don't know for sure if it's real. I mean, let's face it. If we worship on Sundays and yet have problems with other things during the week, anger or words or, come on, we're blowing the whole thing, right? So get around your piano at home and worship God. Okay? Or get your guitar out. And worship God. Somebody said, but I don't play the piano. I don't play the guitar. Get your iPad, your iPod out. Or put your CD in your CD player. Or boot your computer up and get to YouTube and worship God as a family. Amen? That's things we can do in everyday life. Special life. I just want to say one thing. Fall in love with your church. Fall in love with your pastors. Don't be guilty of going home and talking about all the problems going on in your church and what you don't like and what you would change, it will undermine the faith in your children's life. I've seen that happen to a family that's way too close to me for me to talk about it. Watched, watched some family members lose their children because of the turmoil they went through with their church. Come on, love your church and say, we're going to be there on Sundays. We're going to do what Pastor Steve tells us to do. We're going to get involved in some kind of ministry. This church is our home until we get to heaven. Hallelujah. Amen? That's your special life. The next verse, I don't even have time to get into that, but it's, it's, they just get crazy charismatic right there. You know, I grew up Pentecostal, but then started going to Sherry's Charismatic Church when we got married. And they would do stuff like write, Jesus is Lord over the doorposts of the house. They would write scriptures out and, and sneak them in the pillows of a teenager in our youth group that wasn't serving God. The mamas would be writing scriptures and putting in their pillows so that, that that wayward teenager is sleeping on the Word of God. Come on, they got creative and sneaky about how to get their faith passed on to the next generation. So that's just extra credit, those verses right there, okay? I've already given you the basic assignment of passing your faith on to the next generation. What's the problem? We're 
losing a generation. We're losing our kids. Do you care about it? Did everybody know it was that bad? Did you realize really that we were losing? I know Brother Charles knows that because he's one to help me wake up to this fact and wrestle with it for the last two years and what we can do about it. We're losing our children. That's the problem. What's the solution? My hope is that you say, I am. It's not a what, it's a who. And that you're going to say, I'm going to leave my family or adopt someone else's. Gave you some role models. I hope everybody says, I'm not exempt. Everybody in here is called to this task of the next generation. And then some things to try. If If you're not having a Bible time as a family, prayer time as a family, scripture memory as a family, catechism as a family, giving as a family, worshiping as a family. I'm exhorting you. I'm saying, I didn't used to do it. I I compared notes with uh, Brother Bob Ely when he left the first service. He said, you know, you assume because you're in the ministry, your kids are getting it while you're doing it in church. But he woke up, I woke up, and we said, it's not happening automatically. Even if we're ministers and doing it professionally to the people, we still got to do it alone with our family or we're going to lose our own families and so I'm just here sharing a message saying that I would imagine there's one or two of you at least that are where I was you haven't stepped up to the plate with what your family needs in terms of having God in your home you love God but have you started trying these practical ideas that I gave you it's got to be somebody say it got to be and it's up to me all right if you have not turned control of your life over to jesus christ you're not following him like you should prayer team come on up Uh, musicians if there's going to be some there's somebody that could help lead you to the lord today and and you just everybody else may say well i'm dismissed and i'm going home you say not me i'm going to get some prayer because i want to start following god But folks, I'm hoping. I don't ever come to preach to anybody with a goal of wasting their time. I hope I've not wasted your time. I hope I've connected with somebody that says, I know this should be going on in my home, but it's not. And I am challenged today. I believe I can do it. You spoke to me. You called me to step up to the plate. And I'm going to go home this week and see if I can start bringing all this awesome God stuff into my family. Is there anybody like that? Go ahead and everybody stand up. I'm going to pray for you. But you're saying, Brother Stewart, I'm where you were. I'm not doing what I need to do in my family at home. I love God. But I've realized I don't want to lose my kids. If that's you, please come forward connect with one of these prayer team members or allow Sherry and me to pray for you. Father, I thank you for an opportunity to speak to these people. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Lord, it would be awesome if all of us were doing what you asked us to do for the next generation. But some of us didn't grow up seeing it in our homes. Some of us are intimidated some of us have different reasons we just don't know how to do it yet but lord this was just a reminder 
any parent, any grandparent, any person even without kids can step up to the plate and make a spiritual difference. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would drive it home to the hearts of the ones that needed to hear this. And that homes and Passion Church would be changing and growing in the name of Jesus. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.